it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern, to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to the Investing for Beginners podcast. I'm Dave Ahern. And we have Andrew Sather with us, as always. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about The Intelligent Investor, one of Warren Buffett's favorite books. Last week, we talked about Chapter 8. This week, we're going to talk about Chapter 20. These are his two favorite chapters in this book, and they're chock full of all kinds of wisdom and great advice to help you invest better. So the first thing that he talks about is margin of safety, or in this chapter. And Andrew, I'm going to let you chat about that for just a second. Yep. So obviously, you know, Dave and I, we love talking about margin of safety with an emphasis on safety. Benjamin Graham definitely started that whole movement and it's been passed along through the generations and so many great investors really put a big focus on margin of safety. So everybody kind of has their own definition of what margin of safety means to them. I know I certainly do. And Dave, I'm sure you do as well. Um, it's, it could be valuation based. It could be balance sheet based. And how Benjamin Graham really defined it is he actually, which I'm surprised because I don't hear it that much when other investors talk about it. You know, everybody has their own brand, but in the very beginning of the chapter, he talked about how he defined it as the earnings yield minus the bond rate. So you think about the bond rate. Is, I'm talking about the interest rate that a bond will pay for that company. And the earnings yield is basically just the inverse of the price to earnings ratio. So, you know, with a price earnings ratio, we like to see lower price earnings is better. Since the earnings yield is just the same ratio flipped, a higher earnings yield is better. And so the higher earning, the higher your earnings yield, the more profitability you have. And how that, re- how that applies to investors theoretically and in practice what essentially happens is it it represents the earnings of a company and once that company receives the earnings they will pay it out either in dividends or they will reinvest it into the company so those are like the two components of the earnings yield if you so if you take 
that earnings yield and you subtract the bond rate, you're, you're basically left with the, the idea is that you're left with this cushion that, that the company has of earnings that they're either going to, like I said, pay out as a dividend or reinvest in the company. So the higher that earnings yield is above the bond rate, the greater your margin of safety. Because a bond is something that you can purchase through the market, it's, it's kind of like that guarantee that the company is going to pay. It's, it's what they're comfortable paying based on how their balance sheet is. So you can think of it as a margin of safety as a cushion because they have that many earnings over that kind of base rate. And so basically if those earnings drop or you know, things go wrong with the business. There, there's, there's, uh, it's sort of like a worst case, uh, accounting. And that's a, a big way that Benjamin Graham, uh, focused on this chapter was looking at things as a worst case. And it's, it's basically, I've, I've heard it referred to in other books as it's hell. If it's heads, uh, I win if it's tails, I don't lose that much. So you, you kind of think if you're calculating these margin of safeties with a big cushion, as Graham talked about, you're accounting for a situation where the company really doesn't do as well. And if you have that kind of cushion of earnings yield over the bond rate, then even if the company does really poorly, you still get a decent return on your investment. And then obviously if the company does great, you, you see that difference and you'll have an even higher return. So those are some of the things he kind of talked about. And he also says that it's going to, so, so those are some of the things he kind of talked about. I don't know what else you had to add to that part, Dave. Well, I think the one thing that I wanted to add to what you were saying, which, you know, you made a bunch of great points is, you know, the, the cushion that he talked about for me, when we're talking about a margin of safety, you know, Andrew and I are always looking for the safety part of it. And the reason why we're doing that is because when you're calculating an intrinsic value for a company or looking at, you know, the financials of a company and trying to determine what you think the company is worth, you're always looking for a cushion in case there's an error in your calculations. And, you know, I'm not a mathematician. I know Andrew is not. And so the chance of us making a mistake are it's possible. And so I guess when I'm looking at this, I'm trying to find as big a cushion of safety as I can. So if I do make a mistake, that I'm not going to get burned so badly. And, you know, Manish Prabhai was the gentleman you were referring to earlier when he said, you know, heads I win, tails I don't lose that much. And that's kind of his take on the margin of safety and you know i i really buy into that and that's something that really attracted me to value investing was this whole concept of margin of safety and when i read this book the first time it really really struck me as wow that's exactly what i'm looking for because i'm you know i by nature personally am a conservative guy and so when i'm going out to invest in in you know a company and use my hard-earned money i'm looking for an ability to a not only make money on an investment, but b also to minimize my losses. You know, as Andrew has said many, many times, which I think is very astute. You know, it's more important to actually minimize your losses sometimes 
than to worry about making these monstrous gains because that's really how you're going to win in the long run. We've talked many times in the past about, you know, if you lose big on an investment, it can take you years, if not decades, to, to recover from that. And so a margin of safety allows you the ability to invest with confidence and be able to go to bed at night and sleep comfortably without having to worry about, you know, did I make a mistake on this? And, you know, Graham, I think that was, to me, this was the most important chapter in the book for me personally, was this has really kind of highlighted what I was looking for when I was looking for, you know, an investment guidance book. This really struck me. I guess that was kind of my thought on that. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too, because, you know, a big part of the value investor is talking about using the net current asset value, um, uh, book value, the price to book ratio. He has a big emphasis on that, but I thought it was interesting that the margin of safety chapter only referred to earnings. So it, if you can combine the two, like Graham does, it can be very, very powerful because while you're kind of maximizing for a discount with the price to book ratio and, and really getting a great price. And, you know, obviously the earnings yield has something to do with that as well, because as I said, if it's a inverse of the price to earnings ratio, it is very dependent on where the price goes. But to, to have earnings as a big component of that, I think is really key as well. And, and it's something that could be easily overlooked. And so, uh, another point that's kind of related to that that Graham made was that the scale or the... When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before Nerd Wallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. 
Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Basically, the amount of margin of safety that you'll see throughout the market will depend on what the market's doing. You know, in the, in the bull markets, you'll see much, it'll be much harder to find the margin of safety or that margin of safety won't be as huge. And what he said specifically was during times where things are very prosperous, people are just making money buying any old stock and not having any problem getting returns to be careful about low quality businesses. Uh, obviously, you want to be careful about the price you pay too, but he said that low-quality businesses are going to really do worse for you than a high-priced stock, and that you know that kind of doesn't sound intuitive to me, and it's not something I would have really thought about too much because you know the the big stories. So obviously, you want to be careful when there's a bubble, and those stocks tend to take the headlines; they tend to be the ones that crash the hardest. But also look out for companies that might be going up in price and their, you know, either earnings aren't there, growth isn't there, or the balance sheet's really getting taxed in the sense that there's a lot of debt accumulating or a lot of liabilities accumulating. Hey, you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Then he talks about the roulette wheel, and I'm sure you, you like this topic, Dave. I'll let you take over this one. This is a fun metaphor, and I really like the way he, he described it because it takes a very mathematical approach to the whole, just a really basic investing concept. So definitely when you're looking at stocks like that, make sure you look at the health of the business, and just because the stock's cruising up really high, don't let that make you feel like there's a margin of safety that isn't there because that can really burn you. And that's something that Graham's seen and a lot of other investors along the line have seen as well. So Graham talks about this idea of the roulette table and how it really can relate to both margin of safety and diversification. So if you, if you go on to a roulette table and you put all, let's say you put a dollar in each number the way, obviously, that the casino has set up the game is that you could you could do that, and at the end of the day, the house is going to win because of the way the odds are structured. They're gonna, if you play enough hands, or you know, not hands. Obviously, I'm not a roulette player; I'm more of a poker guy. But if you if you make enough bets, and over the long term, the house is gonna win. Graham talks about how with diversification. With he, how he describes it is like you have a bunch of stocks with a margin of safety and basically those because you're making these mathematical calculations you're calculating a margin of safety it's based on the cold hard facts 
you are essentially setting the odds in your favor. And by combining that with diversification, what you're doing is instead of making great bets. So, you know, if, if, uh, you're on the roulette wheel and the number seven and the number 13 have really great odds compared to like six, eight and 10, you know, you could put all your money on seven, but just because the odds might be in your favor, it's not, it's not a good gambling choice. It's not a good investing choice. But if you're a type of gambler who sees 7, 13, 17, you know, there's, there's maybe 10 or 20 numbers there that have above average odds, then you spread your bets along those, those, uh, favorable odds. And then over the long term, you're beating the house. So that's the same concept with investing and why he says diversification combined with margin of safety can be so powerful because you're essentially making these mathematical calculations, seeing that these particular stocks have higher mathematical odds of doing well and, and really either having their cushion, abs- having their cushion absorbed so that they will continue, they will keep having a, a great return regardless or having superb returns. And by spreading them out, you're going to over the long term, your chances of winning are going to be better than an investor who's basically speculating. And again, he goes back to that metaphor of speculating, but somebody who's really trying to make not like a mathematical comp- uh, computation, but more of like an optimistic kind of emotional, maybe like being swept by the narrative making the investment decisions in that way he says that's kind of more of a speculative route and the more investor route is to take this mathematical uh very structured and just looking at the numbers and calculating what the safety is on in that case spreading it out and making sure that you're getting your the odds in your favor yeah that's right and he he talks a lot about the, the odds and he, he kind of actually puts a, a number to it. And I've heard wide ranging different numbers and I have different numbers that I look at. You know, one of the things he's looking for, uh, you know, about a 33%. And, you know, I read somewhere that Warren Buffett, you know, when he first started out was looking for a 50% margin of safety. And, you know, depending on, you know, as Andrew mentioned earlier, where you are in a cycle of bull versus bear markets, you know, that may provide you an opportunity to do that kind of thing. You know, right now, I personally look for around 25% or more if I could find it, depending on the quality of the company. And it really kind of depends, you know, there's all kinds of ways that you can go about doing that. But, you know, and finding the intrinsic value is kind of key for me to try to find, you know, what I think the company is worth versus what it's selling for, you know, our good friend, Mr. Market, which we talked about last week, you know, if he comes at you, you think that the company is worth $25 and he's offering it to you for $50, then, you know, you may or may not want to pass on that. It just really kind of depends. So, you know, there's all kinds of different ways that you can go about doing that. And he talks a lot about the arithmetic versus optimism. And I think that's a great way of, of doing it because if you just look at the numbers, the numbers are not going to lie. And margin of safety kind of works in with, you know, trying to create a cushion. So in case your calculations are incorrect or off a little bit, at least you have a buffer. So if you've made a mistake and you're not just going on the fact that you really, really like this company because maybe you use their product and you think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread or peanut butter or whatever, you know, 
uh, phrase you want to use for that. There are all kinds of different ways that you can go about doing that. And, you know, the other thing he talks about is, you know, the no good or bad stock just bad prices. You know, Andrew and I like to make Amazon a little bit of our whipping boy, Snapchat, some other companies, Facebook, and so on. Right now, you know, Andrew and I have never, ever said that they are not good companies. You know, I personally love Amazon. I use it all the time. And my wife uses it probably a little too much, <laughs> if we want to be honest. But, uh, you know, she's a Prime member and she loves it. But the, you know, the the price that you would pay for it right now is just, it's absurd. And it's 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 really, really expensive. And, you know, Warren Buffett has mentioned many, many times that he thinks Jeff Bezos is the best, if not one of the best managers out there right now. But you'll notice that he's not buying his company. And, you know, people always ask why that is. And it's very simple. It's too expensive. It's just, it is, it just is. It's, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. And it has nothing to do with the actual price of it. It has more to do with what is being valued at by the stock market. So, you know, you're going to pay a hundred and I think it's $73 for $1 of earnings for Amazon. And that's just, that's too rich for my blood. And so the, what he's referring to in this instance is he's talking about, that there are no good or bad stock, just bad prices. So the price of Amazon in particular for right now is just too high. But that doesn't mean that someday in the future it may not come down or it may come back to earth or everything may equalize and it may be a good investment one day. For me personally, it is not. I'm not saying it's a bad company, but there's no margin of safety. So if the t- if the stock tanks or things go poorly for whatever reason, I have no margin of safety with my investment and I could lose everything I invest. And as a value investor, that is, you know, rule number one is, you know, don't lose money. Rule number two is don't forget rule number one. Our good buddy Warren Buffett, you know, used that phrase a long time ago. So, you know, those are some of the things that I picked out of, you know, the next part of that chapter that I really thought were, you know, appropriate for what we've been talking about. Yeah, I love it. I mean, such a, such a, a big and important point and something that definitely shouldn't be overlooked. And at the very end, he, he has a couple of rules to kind of close out the chapter. And I just picked one out that I thought, I mean, it's really a great one that we should just end on. And he says, quote, have the courage of your knowledge and experience. Basically, do the, do the readings, understand what he talks about, make the margin of safety calculations, and then just act on it. You know, forget about if you're doing like the most popular opinion. Forget about if you're jumping into these stocks that the media is saying are are in the, in maybe like a down cycle or or there's no future in these stocks. You've made the margin of safety calculations. Like he said, have the courage of your knowledge and experience. As Michael Jordan would say, just do it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Was that you Jordan know, I think, or was that Nike? Well, I was Nike, but you know, I always think of Jordan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm from that era. You know, I, I, you know, I think that is so appropriate to, to talk about, you know, in, in my experience working in the bank, you know, I've seen so many people come in that had plenty of knowledge, wanted to invest, but they were scared. They were afraid. They didn't want to pull the trigger on something. And, you know, if you've done the work and you're confident in what you're doing and you have the experience, then yeah, pull the trigger, you know, make, make the decision, buy it. Don't worry about what the media is saying. You know, that's actually probably a, a good way to go is go the opposite way of what they're saying. 
And, you know, I think that in the long run, this will benefit you many, many times over. All right, folks, well, welcome. Thank you guys very much for listening today. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of Chapter 20 of The Intelligent Investor. Uh, I think you'll find that it's a fantastic book. All the chapters are definitely worth reading. These are two that we just highlighted because Warren Buffett made a point in many, many interviews that he thought these were the two best in the book. We hope you found some value in what we're talking about. These concepts will definitely help you. And again, you'll maybe understand a little bit why Andrew and I keep focusing on the margin of safety with the emphasis on the safety part. I think it's very valuable for information for you to have, and it'll help you avoid any big losses in your investing. We'd love to have some guests on here to talk to you guys. We'd love to answer some more questions. We're here to help. Andrew and I enjoy talking to each other very much, but we'd love to have some other people to chat with as well. We get lonely once in a while. I'm not going to lie. I'm just joking. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.